turn to Ecclesiastes 11. We'll start in verse 7. And uh, if you were here last week, you probably know that we uh, finished chapter 11 last week, but we're going to kind of overlap this week because some of the uh, words spoken there will speak to what we're going to hit in chapter 12, the first eight verses of chapter 12. This is our next to last message in Ecclesiastes. We, we've been, this is week 15, if you didn't know. Some of you feel like it's been week 150. Um, that would be me. Uh, and, uh, and you're ready to move on. Um, I, think, I think we all are in a way. Uh, but I don't know. I, we, we talk to pastors, you know, our network we get with with pastors uh, every month. And uh, some of those preachers actually like this book. So maybe we're just getting it all wrong. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just me. But uh, this message we've got today, as you can see on the screen, is about youth, age, and eternity. And uh, found it cool that uh, this morning, well, this part's not cool, um, Roy Thompson uh, had to go to the hospital last night. He's got, uh, I think they said like an abscess on his, on his kidney. It was giving him a lot of problems, but he's going he's gonna to get checked out this morning and uh, figure exactly what it is, he hopefully get checked out. But I got to call him this morning and, um, and talk to him uh, very early and uh, just, just encourage him. But, but I got to encourage him with this message. And so I've never done this before, but um, Roy was just telling me, you know, he's kind of anxious about things, wanting to know what's going on. And I said, well, let me, let me preach today's sermon to you. And uh, he said, please do. <laughs> so uh, in about three minutes, I preached him today's sermon. Now, you're not going to get the three-minute version, uh, so don't start texting people. Um, like you're going to get it out of here early, but, uh, but this, this, I hope this message is encouraging. As all message in Ecclesiastes, it's not going to seem that way at first, um, but remember, we're, we're reading and looking at the book of Ecclesiastes through the cross of Jesus, and so we, we do have hope through Christ as we've just sung. But if you've got your Bibles open, <clears throat> we'll start in verse 7 and move. Uh, the writer says that light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life or vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is 
vanity. Father, this is your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear it this morning. God, I pray that you do help my voice to be able to continue to speak to get it uh, out. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, praying for my voice because this past Thursday I coached my first basketball game at Faith Christian, and I didn't realize that as a coach you have to save your voice for the different halves. I couldn't speak in the second half because I yelled too much in the first half, and I'm still struggling today, so I'm sorry, but uh, that's from that. <clears throat> uh, really quickly, let me give you kind of a bird's eye view of this sermon today. There's going to be three points uh, in it. The first one is the problem of youth. That's the first point we're going to see. Second, the difficulty of age. And the third, the glory of eternity. Now, if I would have had time, I would have went to Aaron and he would have alliterated those for me. But you just get raw points because I didn't have time. But uh, that's kind of where we're going to be heading today. So um, the first thing that we see in our text in verse 7 is this phrase, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Now, you know, our writer speaks in some languages that necessarily we don't use. It's not contemporary for us, as we're going to see later on in this passage. But all he's saying here is life is good. It's good to be alive. Life is good. Some of us have a hard time believing that in 2021, but, but that's the truth. To be alive, to draw breath, no matter your circumstance, being alive is good. It's good to see the sun and from this statement of life is good, he gives us the logical conclusion in verse 8. So, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So from that statement that life is good in verse 7, he then says in verse 8 that if you live a long time, Enjoy all your years. Soak them up. Live them to the fullest. Because darkness, the days of darkness are coming. And the days of darkness, we're going to see him refer to this again in chapter 12. But what he's talking about there is old age. He calls that the days of darkness. Later on, he'll call it evil days. He says, enjoy life and all the years you got because bad things are ahead when you get old. And we're going to discuss that in a second. And then he gives us this phrase, uh, because everything's vanity. Life is a puff of smoke. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It comes and goes really, really quickly. And then in verse 9, we're going to begin to see our problem about youth. He says, rejoice, O young man, in your youth. So now he's talking about young people. So face this direction, but I know we got some young people over here, so maybe I'll look back and forth. But he says, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. First, this sounds like some pretty bad advice, right? But he says, fill it up. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Take it all in is what he's saying. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, when we read this, you know, as conservative Christians in the South, we would probably say this tongue-in-cheek, right? You youngsters, go have a good time, but God's going to judge you for whatever you do, right? And this is the way we would kind of come across, right? Yeah, go have a good time. God's watching, right? But this is not how he's saying this. It's not how he's stating this. It's not tongue-in-cheek. What he's getting across is, is that there is a way to live life to the fullest, 
And that way is honorable before your creator because we've got a good God. And the way he desires for us to live is maximum joy, maximum pleasure, right? And so we don't want to walk in a way that's not honorable, not in a way that we're going to be judged. Now, here's where this kind of gets confusing for us, once again, as conservative Christians. We sometimes think that the way that will incur less strict judgment or less judgment altogether is the uber-conservative route, right? Uh, the, the minimalist, the don't take risks, don't step, don't go, don't come. Just be very, very, very careful. And this is kind of how we raise our kids if we're not careful and we just kind of protect, 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 protect. But as you heard Carlton preach last week, that's not the way to live, right? That's not the way to live. We, we're called to take risks. We're ta- called to live generously, And so it's not this way of keeping. And Jesus even tells a parable about this, doesn't he? About the talents. The guy who thought it was best to just bury his and keep it hidden. Nothing happened to it. Jesus says, I'm not pleased with that. The master's not pleased with that. I've given you this life to enjoy. But this also doesn't mean that we just go reckless with things, right? Like we don't just live in a way that We don't think we were created in a way to live and we just run and do and go however we wish, abusing things, misusing things, including ourselves and others. You know, the best way to see this is to have kids um, and your kids play this out in front of your eyes. Uh, My kids sometimes, uh, my oldest for sure, she'll do this all the time, will buy her a toy or she'll have her bike And she will want to protect whatever we gave her. Like, put it on the shelf. Don't ride the bike. Just be real careful. Well, Daddy, if I ride the bike, I might skimp my knees, and that wouldn't be a good use of the body God's given me, so I'm not going to ride the bike. And I don't want to break the toy you gave me because it means a lot to me. It's really valuable, so I'm going to put it up here. I'm not going to let my brothers nor I touch it, right? And as a dad, you look and you're like, no, that's not how I want you to live life. I don't want you to be that conservative. Skin those knees. It's going to be worth feeling that wind brushing your face, right, when you're going down that hill. And that crash is going to hurt, but it's worth it, right? Hannah Kramer, if you're watching. (laughs) Uh, For those of you that don't know, Hannah um, jumped on, and I'm sorry, Jothi, you probably are still healing over that. But uh, Hannah jumped on a motorcycle that her dad got her last night, and she whiskey throttled straight into the side of her dad's truck. It wasn't funny when it happened. We can laugh now because she's okay. All right, but I asked her last night, I said, are you, gonna, are you done with two wheels uh, with an engine? And she said, oh, no, I'm, I'll be back on it. Um, I don't know if Jothi is supposed to hear that. But here's what I'm saying. Um, the point is this. We want, as parents, to see our kids use the things we give them to live life, right? I don't buy you a toy so that you put it on the shelf. I buy you a toy so that you can play with it and enjoy it. But in the same sense, I watch other of my kids, I've got one kid, he's, he's one year old, we refer to this guy, his name's Hudson, we refer to him as Sticky Ricky around the house, and uh, mainly because everything he eats, he gets on him, and he's just sticky all the time, it's just awful, but, sti- but Sticky Ricky, he misuses everything in our house, like, 
he's broken two sound machines because he likes to unplug them and wrap them around his neck and walk around the house. He goes and gets Casey's curling iron, smashing the ceramic on the floor all the time. He's just a misusing and abusing everything. So that's not what I want from my kids, all right? So, so there's a way where we're too uber conservative, a way of where we're too risk-taking, too abusing, not living as if we're going to incur judgment. Is that making sense? So that's what he's getting across here is when he makes that statement. And he continues on. He says, remove vexation from your heart. He says, put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. What he's saying here is, don't spend the best years of your life worrying about things. Don't do that, young people. Like, I'm going to say it again. Don't do that, young people. We're facing an epidemic right now of like a mental health crisis amongst young people, right? I mean, everybody's got so many issues on issues and issues, and they don't, young people don't know how to process all this stuff. And so young people, the writer says that you currently are, are youthful. You've got a young body that's, that, that, that can do and move, and, and you're so caught up in your mind and your feels that you can't even enjoy this youth. And so he, he says, put away vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. Whatever you got to do, put it away. These are the good years. Your body works. Seriously. That's what this text is about. Your body works. If you want to go somewhere, you don't have to call somebody to take you somewhere. You can walk there. So don't waste this youthfulness. And then in verse one of chapter 12, he says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near. Now, I want to pause before we continue going further and continue digging into this problem of youth. Let me just state it plainly. When you're young, you are full of vitality, but you are dumb. Okay, I see a lot of people shaking their heads, even the young people. That's good. We're all in agreement this morning, all right? You don't know what you don't know, right? And the, rem- the reason that our writer calls us to remember our creator is because young people normally don't do this. People in their youth normally remember much, they don't remember much besides what they want to do, right? Like I'm zoned in on what I want to do, and if you're telling me something else, I can't even hear it much less remember it. And this is a problem. Young people have a struggle to listen and remember. Young people lack contemplation skills, right? Of just sitting and soaking in who God is and what he's done and what he desires of me. You know, there's so much that would be solved in our world if young people could just sit on a regular basis and contemplate their creator, remember their God who breathed life into them and gave them life, it would help drown out a lot of other noise. But that's the problem with youth. You can't do it. You're too busy thinking about what's next. And you can see this if you were to ask a young person to go on a walk. Try this out. You ask a young person to go on a walk, and you know what they're going to ask you? Where are we going? 
Because you don't take walks when you're young just to take walks. Walks get you places, right? They're just a means. And then we wonder, well, why are you even walking? You know you can drive. (laughs) That's what cars are for. And so in order to try to take all this in, I Saturday morning got up and cooked breakfast for the family and, and then told Casey, I said, I'm going out for a walk. She was like, well, that's weird, but okay. And, uh, and I said, I'm just, just going walking. And I thought I would just like walk our block, you know, like quarter mile or something. But I just decided I'm just going to walk around Weaver. And uh, I was gone quite a long time. I don't like a couple hours. I just kept walking. And I was contemplating all these things, just trying to think about God and think about this sermon and think about my life and just, and I just walking. And it was, it was so enjoyable. I, I don't think I've ever done that. But it was so, so, so good. I wasn't caught up in trying to get somewhere. It didn't matter if I went left or right. I was just walking. But when you're young, that's the problem with youth. You're so caught up trying to get somewhere. You're so caught up trying to graduate, trying to get married, trying to get a job, needling away so hard that you don't enjoy these young and vibrant years with a physically strong body. That's the problem with youth. And this is why he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come upon you. And remember I told you this is coming. <clears throat> These evil days are the dark days that he says in verse, or chapter 11. He's talking about getting old. And these days, he says, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. Now from this point, verse 2 on, he's going to give a ton of analogies about getting old. Right? Like this first one he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, he's not speaking literally like there's coming a day, like maybe the eschaton or something. Like he's not speaking about that. He's just saying, like, there comes a day for all of us where these lights in the sky start to grow dim. But it's because your light is growing dim that those seem to grow dim. You understand? This is just an analogy, a way of talking about getting old. And he goes on and on. He said, clouds return after the rain. The keepers of the house tremble. The strong men are bent. The grinders cease. Those who look through the windows are dimmed. The doors on the street are shut. The sound of the grinding is low. One rises up at the sound of a bird. All the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails. Man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. These are all contemporary analogies for him and his readers to get his point across. And here's the main point that all commentators agree on on this passage of scripture. The main point is getting old is awful. There's no disagreement from any commentator. That's the idea here. Getting old is awful. All right? Now, where there is some disagreements is in all the different nuances of these sayings. Well, what does that exactly mean? Well, what does that exactly mean? And and there are different kind of things. But instead of spending all of our time going into every little thing, understand that the main idea is that it's getting 
old. And as I'm looking at all these different ideas this week and pulling them out and seeing them uh, and seeing what different people say about the different ones, uh, I, I came to uh, what I'm going to use this morning to help you understand what he's saying in our contemporary language. And one of the ways we do this in Bible study is <clears throat> by finding and looking at what people are saying about the text. They're saying what well, says this or this or this. And a resource that I use in, in trying to figure out, uh, one resource I use in trying to figure out what he's saying is Eugene Peterson's The Message. Okay, Now, you might have been told different things about The Message, but let me set it straight. The Message is not a translation of the Bible. It's not what it is. Okay, The Message is Eugene Peterson, who is a faithful Presbyterian pastor. It's his thoughts about what the text is saying. Right? So it's like a commentary on what the text is saying. So when you're reading that, understand that's what it is. All right? So it can be helpful at times. This week it's really helpful. All right? Here's Eugene Peterson's thoughts on this text, and he nails it. <clears throat> he says, Honor and enjoy your Creator while you're still young, before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes, before your vision dims and the world blurs. It's about to get good. And the winter years keep you close to the fire. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen. The shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. The hum of the household fades away. You are wakened now by birdsong. Hikes to the mountain are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning a fragile and impotent matchstick body. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yes, you're well on your way to your eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. <laughs> now, I know that's hitting differently for our group this morning, all right? Some of you are like too close to home, not a fan. <laughs> Eugene Peterson just got struck by me, right? Like, not helpful. But that's absolutely what this passage is saying, this, this little text. That's, that's what he's getting across. Our writer this morning is saying, getting old is hard. Getting old is awful. Getting old is difficult. He calls it evil. And I can laugh at it because I'm 32 right now. Um, but one day I won't be able to laugh at it. One day I'll be in those evil years. One day my body will be giving out. You know, I, I always try to get help from different people. Basically, if you're talking to me uh, on a week that I'm preaching, what you say to me might be used in the sermon, okay? So I'm just putting that out there right now. But I always talk to people uh, during the week of the sermon, and I'm always asking questions, tons of questions, and they don't know it, but it has to do with the sermon or their thoughts and that kind of thing. I don't ever tell people what I'm doing. Um, but <clears throat> I did tell one guy this week, I told Bruce Adams, you know, I I was needing somebody older to talk to me about age, and so I went to Bruce, and I asked him for help, and uh, I'm just saying, that's what I did, and so uh, Bruce gave me several really good insights, but here's the saddest one I think that he gave me, all right, about getting old. <coughs> he said, it's about time your mind has matured enough to really grasp things and understand what's good that your body has grown too frail to enjoy them. That's miserable. <laughs> right? Let me repeat that. It's about time your mind, some of you are going, no, don't repeat it. 
It's about time your mind has matured enough to really grasp and enjoy and understand things that your body has grown too frail to enjoy them. And this is sad. And it honestly is one of the reasons that our writer calls these days evil. Because it's not the way that things are supposed to be. You know, we've accepted this life where people get old, they mature, and they die. But it's actually a massive sign that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Like nobody should ever lose their mom or dad. Granddad should always be around to play catch. These days are evil. And I don't have to tell you that. I think everybody in the room knows that. And I think it's important as Christians that we state that. You know, oftentimes we try to glaze over reality to get to the, the good news. And no, man, these, these days are awful. It stinks that Roy is not here with us this morning and he's laying in a hospital bed somewhere. It's not the way things should be. It's sad. And we know where all of this is leading. Verses 6 and 8 give us a picture of death. It says, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. Again, all of these are contemporary ways for our writer in talking about death. The only one I could think of that for us that we have, I know there's more, but, you know, the one that came to my mind was we, we would say something like, you kick the bucket, right? And people would be like, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. It's just a way of talking about death, right? So the message for this morning is this. Enjoy all your years on this earth. But remember that when you're young, you're not mature enough to enjoy it. And when you get old enough to enjoy it, your body's too worn out to enjoy it. Folks, that's Ecclesiastes. <laughs> but praise God, and I'm being serious, praise God that there is good news for those of us in Christ who understand all of Scripture through the cross of Jesus. Verse 8 says this, look at it. <clears throat> it says, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Now, you know what we have in verse 8? We have a picture of the reversal of creation. An awful picture of the reversal of creation. And it's exactly what God said would happen when man sinned against him. So what I do want you to see is that the Ecclesiastes writer has it right that life underneath the sun is vanity because we are all going to return to dust and the spirit returned to the God who gave it. It's like in Genesis, he took us from the dust and breathed his life in. Now the undoing of this is happening. That's what sin causes. That's what death brings forth. There's no comfort to be had in this reality but Jesus Jesus comes as the new Adam, the better Adam, and he changes all of this. Jesus brings the restart of life 
under the sun. Jesus is born without sin and therefore would live forever. He wouldn't be subject to this wicked roller coaster ride that we call life and death, getting young and old. But in love, he chooses to receive death in our place for us. You see, deterioration and death are curses that humanity has received for their sin against God. It's the just penalty. But Jesus comes to remove that penalty by receiving it himself. So in Jesus' death, he receives death and the wrath of God for all those who would believe in him. He stands in front of the train while pushing us out and takes the full blow. But there's more. Not only does he take the blow of death on our behalf, Jesus resurrects from the dead, thus reversing the curse, undoing this awful reality that the world has been subject to. So I want you to hear this. Listen to this. In sin, we had the reversal of creation, which was the curse. But in Jesus' resurrection, we have the reversal of the curse, which is new creation. That's good news. So now in him, there's hope. There's hope for the youth who's anxious and full of vexation. There's hope for the old person whose body is giving out. Listen to Paul talk about this hope in Romans 8, 18 through 23. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. That's hope. When we contemplate the glory that is to be revealed, church, it brings forth such a comforting ray of hope that absolutely obliterates and overwhelms whatever we're dealing, whether we're young or we're old. That's the truth. It overwhelms it. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it stops you from going through it. I'm saying it casts a a ray of sun so big. Jesus has promised that we will live forever. And he will redeem our bodies. New bodies that don't grow dim. New bodies that have glorified minds. That are able to perfectly enjoy things forever all because our God loves us. We don't deserve this. It's important we remember that. We deserve deterioration and death. But our God chooses to give us new bodies and eternal life. And he delights in blessing us with that which we don't deserve. I don't don't want you to think like, I've been reading Gentle and Lowly. If you haven't got a copy or you haven't read that book, man, do it. Um, But one of the things Dane Ortland talks about in there is like, 
God's heart delights in giving his children good gifts. It's not like that person on Halloween that when the kids ring the doorbell, they're like, ah, one, two pieces of candy, there you go. Like, that's not our God. Our God swings open the door with the biggest smile on his face and welcomes us in and gives us the whole house. That's our God. He delights in blessing us. I want you to believe that this morning. So, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, young person, old person, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. (laughs) They go on and on and on. This is Christian maturity. Living in light of eternity in such a way that the rest of the world is stunned because we're walking by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And the best illustration I have of this is Gosh, if you've seen the movie Hook, Robin Williams is playing Peter Pan. And they're sitting at this dinner table. And, and, and all he sees is nothingness. He's seeing blank pots and pans and, and, and plates. There's nothing there. He's surrounded by children. And the children are telling him. Basically, basically they're saying, you got to believe, Peter. you got to believe. And then all of a sudden, he begins believing. And there's food everywhere. And he begins feasting, feasting. Church, that is what Christians in this world should look like. We are feasting on the things unseen. The riches of the promises of God are not abstract and somewhere out there. They're as real as the pew you can touch in front of you. And we live like it. And when we live that way, that's what blesses the world with the gospel. Because there's good news There's good news in the midst of lies. There's good news. We just must believe it. And if you're here today and you don't believe it, I would invite you to come and ask God to help you believe. Ask God for the gift of faith that you may believe, that your heart may be changed, and that you may live in light of the promises of God and in the work of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what Ecclesiastes has done in my soul, God. I haven't enjoyed it, but God, I needed it. And uh, our church needed it, Lord. And we thank you for your, this, uh, this word. Thank you for your word. God, I do pray that we would believe your promises. That we would live not according to things we can see. But God, we would live according to what you've said. Give us faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you for...